Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. We discuss current issues in our Christian faith, chat about our lives, do a devotional, offer prayer and praise that you share with us. Never be alone. Join us. You can reach us at our website, branchliving.com, through Facebook at Branch Living. There we have an international community, and it would be a privilege to have you join us. You can comment, post photos, prayer requests, praise reports. So join us at Facebook at Branch Living. At Branch Living. You can also email your prayer requests and praise reports to me at Lisa at Branch We try to do this two to three times a week, this podcast. During the holidays, it will likely be just once a week. Um, and here we begin about talking about our day. Uh, we share a prayer. We open our time together. The heart of the podcast is our branch living message. We chat about issues in our lives, and then we move to Christian news, views, and events, interesting happenings for today's Christian family. And then we have a brief devotion. Right now we are reading Charles Spurgeon, and we end with your comments, your prayers, and your praise reports. So join us, spread the word. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, let us join in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being with us during this holiday season and during this pandemic. We ask you to bless each of us as we go about this beautiful day. And please inspire us to do your work and your will. Please inspire us to truly be the hands and feet of you in this world, especially during this season, but throughout the year. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So today with Branch Living, we're going to talk about the end, which is new and renew. And um, we know that God tells us he makes all things new. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. He also said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And that comes to us from Revelations 21.5. God throughout the Bible brings about the destruction of the idols that we create. Those things, idols, are those things that stand between us and Him. And this is a key part of renewal. It is a painful part of renewal because we often don't realize we've created these idols. So do any of these sound familiar to you? The idol of comfort, the idol of popularity, the idol of sloth, the idol of self-focus, the idol of wealth. There are just too many to list here. But when these idols stand between God and us, either he must remove them or we must see them and remove them with his help. And as painful as it is to ferret out and remove our own idols, uh, and this can only be done with God's help, it is generally more painful when God has to take them out without our help. It is more painful because we often don't realize what a big part of our lives these idols have become until he brings them down. So their absence is unsettling and life-changing. The pandemic has certainly revealed idols for many of us. It also has revealed those things that are important and how perhaps we don't put focus on them. Our faith, our relationship with God, community, our family, our friends. So this Advent season, I plan to reflect on this. What are the idols in my life? What stands between me and my relationship with God? What has prevented me from being a good neighbor? What has prevented me from being fully present in all of my relationships? What has stopped me from being the hands and feet of God? 
and what has tarnished in my own life my reflection of him. So, you know, in, during this time, we seek deep joy and we ask God to remove the idols of our lives. We all have them. We just can't see them always. But God does not want anything to stand between him and us. So if we pray for revelation, he will show us our idols. And once those idols are identified, how do we get them out of our lives? Well, first we have to pray for assistance and strength. That's really key and that's true for, true for any idol because it's painful to remove idols. We've become attached to them. We must turn to our Bibles and bring more scripture, more truth into our lives. Um, when the kings of old heard the scriptures, their hearts were often open and they saw the truth. And so when they, you can hear this repeated over and over in the Bible that the good kings, is, that these are, then would lay waste to the temple idols and anything that had been erected that God didn't honor. So when, when they would read the scripture and they would see the truth, they would go into those temples and take out the fake idols and make sure that God was then honored. And we have to do that with our own idols. We can't tolerate the presence of new idols in our lives. We must speak truth about evil in our own lives, but also in the lives of our communities. And I love this quote. A.W. Tozer said, we have learned to live with unholiness and we have come to look upon it as natural and expected thing, but it is not. Christians are called to, called to call out evil and to not let it stand. And then we have to find more joy in the Lord than we do in our idols because God is pure joy, and serving Him is not a duty, it is a privilege. Our joy is in Him. So what is this joy? Well, I think Pastor Jim Johnson says it best. If you're, and this is what he says, this is a direct quote. If your soul is satisfied in Christ, you will rejoice in Christ. Take your eyes off Christ and you'll lose your joy. Christian joy is a barometer of your spiritual life. Don't confuse this unique joy with upbeat feelings. Genuine Christian joy is not the power of positive thinking. Joy is not a bubbly, optimistic personality. Joy is not being happy because life is going your way. Joy is not walking through life with a naive glass half full attitude. Joy, or glass half full attitude, yes. Joy is the emotion of salvation. It is the joy of seeing, knowing, loving, and trusting Jesus Christ. We cannot generate this true joy ourselves. It is the product of the Holy Spirit in us. Joy is a glorious gladness and a deep delight in the person of Jesus Christ. Such joy cannot be extinguished by circumstances. It is a God-given joy greater and stronger than any trouble that comes into my life. So I think that is just so true, you know, that deep joy. And we see that reflected in many people who are Christians. And lastly, then we need to reflect on this joy and truth in our communities. This deep joy is what the world is truly seeking and our lives must point to the source of our joy. So yes, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Remove the idols of your life, get in touch with this joy and reflect it in the communities you serve. And so that is our message for today. And um, what a great message it is to be able to start off our time together. 
and also to really bring into this season. And um, I reflect on it all the time in terms of what are my idols. I learned that a long time from uh, Tim Keller, Dr. Tim Keller, who focuses on uh, idols and how we build idols in our lives and kind of keep God out of them. And um, so what's just so important as Christians to constantly reflect on that because idols are very easy to build. So next I'm going to tell uh, two stories out of the news and I just in this Christmas season wanted to bring some really positive news and so uh, what the first story then is about a woman and her name is Angie Tima and she um, had called her house in Hudson home for 35 years. When her husband died 20 years ago a family friend bought the house and rented it back to her. Little did she know, though, that her friend would eventually run into money problems and stop paying the mortgage. The lender foreclosed on the property. The house was sold, leaving Taima without her home. Her neighbor, from a few doors down, couldn't stand the thought of Taima and her two dogs living in a hotel room. So Danielle Calder, her neighbor, put down $167,500 to buy the house back. Taima moved back in on her 89th birthday and now pays rent to Calder. It was the right thing to do, Calder said. We're family, the whole neighborhood. So what a great, great story of uh, being a true neighbor. Um, and the second story I want to talk about today is entitled, The Kids Who Stole a Bachelor's Heart. Pittsburgh police detective Jack Mook is a self-proclaimed bachelor who loved the single life, doing what he wanted to do while he was off duty. He often went to the gym where he boxed and volunteered his time to teach kids boxing. He became particularly close to two brothers who came in almost every week for several years to learn from Mook. One day, they just stopped showing up and Mook knew something was wrong. Mook found older brother Josh at his school and broke down when the boy explained the conditions under which he and his brother lived in his foster parents' house. Through an emergency appeal, Mook decided to foster the boys and later went on to adopt them, finalizing the most important chapter in his life in 2014. Mook insists the boys have changed his life. The self-proclaimed bachelor is not only the dad of two teenagers now, but he's also happily married and has three stepchildren because after his big-hearted story went viral, women were lining up to meet and marry this ordinary superhero. So good news, <laughs> and I guess a good way to find a wife too is to be a great person and uh, model God's love in that very significant way. So kudos to you, um, Police Officer Mook. That is absolutely amazing. So now we're going to turn to our devotional, and today again it is from um, Spurgeon, who it's just considered the Prince of Preachers, and we love reading his work. And so the devotion today is um, from Ruth 1:14, and we remember in that story that Ruth had uh, two uh, daughter-in-laws. She had a husband who died, her sons died, she was left with her daughter-in-laws, and she told them to go back to their countries. Um, that they could leave her and marry again and her daughter-in-laws um, had different responses and so we're going to talk about those two different responses today so orpha kissed her mother-in-law but ruth clave unto her so orpha is one daughter-in-law and ruth is the other one um, 
Oh, I'm sorry, the mother is Naomi, not Ruth. So Naomi is the uh, mother-in-law, Orpah and Ruth are the two daughter-in-laws. Both of them had an affection for Naomi and therefore set out with her upon her return to the land of Judah. But the hour of test came. Naomi most unselfishly set before of them the trials which awaited them and told them if they cared for ease and comfort that they could return to their friends. At first, both of them declared that they would cast their lot with the Lord's people, that's Naomi's people. But upon still further consideration, Orpah, with much grief and a respectful kiss, left her mother-in-law and her people and her God and went back to her idolatrous friends, while Ruth, with all of her heart, gave herself up to God and her mother-in-law. It is one thing to love the ways of the Lord when all is fair. It is quite another to cleave unto them with under discouragement and difficulty. The kiss of an outward profession is very cheap and easy, but the practical cleaving to the Lord, which must show itself in holy decision for truth and holiness, is not a small matter. How stands the case with us? Is our heart fixed upon Jesus? Is the sacrifice bound with cords to the horn of the altar? Have we counted the cost, and are we solemnly ready to suffer all worldly loss for the Master's sake? After the gain will be an abundant recompense, for Egypt's treasures are not to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. Orpah is heard of no more. In the glorious ease and the idolatrous pleasure of her life, it melts into a, the gloom of death. But Ruth lives in history and in heaven, for grace has placed her in the noble line which, from which sprung king, the King of Kings. Blessed among women shall be those who for Christ's sake can renounce all, but forgotten and worse than forgotten shall be those who in the, honor of tempt, in the hour of temptation do violence and consciously turn back to the world. Oh, that that morning that we will be content with the form of devotion, which may be no better than Orpah's kiss, but, we may, but may the Holy Spirit work in us to cleave with our whole heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that very much goes um, in from our message from Branch Living today, where um, you know we are given choices that we can cling to the world or we can cling to Jesus. And in this case, the a setup was Naomi, who was poor and um, but a follower of God, and these two daughter-in-laws who had to make a choice. And one of them chose to follow Naomi to stay with her, and the other one chose to go back to her people. And that just sets up an illustration for us again of, you know, where do your priorities lie and where do they rest? And um, Spurgeon says it best that you know it's far better to follow God and to try to. Uh, set aside the glitter and gold of this world. I'm going to talk just a moment about uh, world celebrations for, Chris for Christmas. We try to do that each time during this season. And so today I'm going to talk about the Netherlands and Poland. So the traditions of celebration in the Netherlands are a combination of traditions that even address their geography. They celebrate the tradition of St. Nicholas known as Sinterklaas and determined that he originally visited Sweden by boat, setting out on December 6th, the traditional day reserved for the church calendar from Spain. Once on shore, he immediately mounted a horse and made his gift deliveries of candies, nuts, and small hard bread treats to the waiting shoes of children. 
old Sinterklaas is a very tricky person. He is able to appear uh, whenever he is accidentally witnessed as a grandfather of a child. He is very tricky indeed. So um, love that story from the Netherlands. And then from Poland, uh, Poland has a rich tradition, um, and I think we talked about this one last time, of having these stalls or booths. So we'll skip that one, um, and we'll move on to Spain. Uh, the citizens of Spain, largely Catholic, have a traditional celebration, all the great themes of Christmas, but the gift-giving tradition assumes that the wise men on horseback actually give the gifts to children in some type of annual reenactment of the first Christmas giving. Special care is made to provide food for the horses and treats for the wise men. They typically celebrate Christmas Eve with their families and friends with a meal. Nearly every family will have a nativity scene, and some of them are incredibly elaborate. Families move from home to home to see their neighborhoods, their neighbors' nativity scenes. So that comes to us from Spain. So I'm gonna do a quick reading and then turn to the prayer request that you have uh, sent in. So this reading comes from Oscar Romero. We all must decide in our own conscience what side we will take. God our Lord is offering us marvelous fruits if we let him sow in us that sprout which will produce prolific branches and the fruits of eternal life. This is God's plan and that's why the church is the vineyard where God's kingdom will always be in crisis. Blessed are those who feel the crisis deeply and resolve it by committing themselves to our Lord. I am very glad that precisely in this hour of crisis, many who were asleep have woken up and are at least asking where the truth is to be found. Look for it. St. Paul shows us the way. It is found with prayer, reflection, and an esteem for what is good. These are wonderful criteria. Wherever there is something noble, something good, something just, there we find God. And again, that's from Oscar Romero. So turning to the prayer requests that we've received uh, since we last talked, um, we have prayers. A woman wrote me and asked that we would pray that she has a dear friend who she has not been in touch with for months, and she would like for the Holy Spirit to intervene and open the doors to this friendship. Uh, we also have a couple of different people who have written me uh, concerning finances and one that is asking for prayer that his rent is not raised. And then another person wrote me this, uh, thank you for your concern. Please pray for my family, mostly my husband who is an alcoholic and pray for my son, the elder one who is in grade 10. Um, and she has another one who is in grade eight and he is weak in studies. She says, I am always sick with many diseases like thyroid and blood pressure and diabetes, so please pray for me. And then lastly, um, we have a prayer request for somebody who is praying again for finances, but also says his brother has been sick for three years and is bedridden. So we lift all of these individuals up in prayer. So if you would join me in praying for them, Lord, each of these requests is significant. And so we know that the burden cannot be carried by the individual himself or herself. 
and that it really does um, require that we come to you as a Christian family and we lift these burdens. You're capable of doing this, Lord, without us. But we're told as a Christian family that we should carry each other's burdens. And so, Lord, we take these burdens before you today. We ask you to lift each of them and to restore the peace, the health, the finances, um, the good studies to each of these individuals. Restore the friendship that was broken. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. So it's been good being with you. We'll probably only be able to do one podcast a week uh, through the holiday season, but um, we'll try to get them in when we can. And I just wanted to urge you again, the Bible study continues. We meet Tuesday nights at 7 Central. So if you'd like to drop in, it's just an hour long. Uh, just send me a quick email. Uh, that's at lisa at branchliving.com. Um, and I can send you the link. It's a Zoom meeting and you can Zoom in with us and um, you can join us. If it's not to your liking, you can feel free to leave. No pressure at all. And um, we can try to find a way to do an audio call with it too. I haven't been asked that yet, but if you would prefer just to be on by audio, I can see if we can work that out as well. But again, um, in any night, there are probably about eight of us. Uh, tonight I'm anticipating 10. And uh, we studied a book at a time, and um, not, not the whole book, obviously, but we just chat. We don't have an agenda in terms of we have to do this many chapters and verses. We just see where the discussion leads us, and we pick it up the following week. And so, of course, we urge you to uh, join us. Again, uh, please do go to Facebook. My blog is there, and your prayer requests, I do post those in the praise reports, and uh, any photos that you do send in. But um, until we get together again, stay close to God, stay in touch, and I will chat with you again very soon. God bless.